The Crude Life with host Jason Spies. Review. My name is Jason Spees. Thank you, folks, for joining us here this week on the Crude Life Week in Review, a place where we take the week's best interviews and play them back for you, all wrapped up in a nice little audio package for your enjoyment. And first of all, folks, thank you very much for choosing the Crude Life Week in Review on this radio station. Perhaps you've maybe downloaded it later on afterwards via a podcast. Either way, we appreciate it very much because I'll tell you what, I just got a notification the other day. Ron Burgundy has his third season of a podcast coming out. Of course, my neighbor's cat has a podcast, and I just found out the first car I had, a 1974 Cougar Mercury, has a podcast now too. So I thank you from the bottom of my heart for choosing us here at The Crude Life for part of your content intake because just the other day at the gas pump, Steve Harvey's giving me news, didn't ask for it, but I got Steve Harvey now giving me news and information at the gas pump. So I'll tell you folks, everywhere you turn, everywhere you look, someone is trying to give you content. That is why we are so grateful that you choose us here at The Crude Life. Let's take a look at what we have in store for you today at The Crude Life Week in Review. Troy Schrenk, he's the Chief Commercial Officer at Target Hospitality, talks about their planned expansion of 100 rooms down at El Capitan Community in Orla, Texas. Folks, you have got to get a kick out of this Orla, Texas. It was a ghost town last year, literally recorded in the Texas Century as a ghost town. Now it is the hottest shale play in the United States. In fact, last week here on the Crude Life Week in Review, Tiffany Wilson, Aries Buildings, talked about how some of her temporary housing from Tioga was moved down to Orla, Texas. And now this week we have Troy Schrank, Target Hospitality, talking about Orla, Texas and their expansion down there as well. So you don't need to be a soothsayer or a shale play prophet to know that uh, the tea leaves are reading that the Permian is prolific right now. And the Bakken, once booming, is now bustling. It's not the booming Bakken, it's the bustling Bakken, because guess what, folks? Ryan Alder, he's going to talk a little bit about what they're hiring for here in the Bakken. Ryan Alder is with AE Partners. They're a recruiting company, and he talks about the different jobs available in the Bakken, as well as Colorado as well. So Robert Diploma, he's a paleontologist, talks about that meteor impact from 66 million years ago that generated a huge tsunami-like wave, killing all the fish and mammals and insects and dinosaurs, creating the fossil fuels that we have today in some theories. Well, the death scene from within one hour of that impact happened in North Dakota, out in the Bakken. And so we talked to Robert De Palma, paleontologist, about that. And, you know, just a little sidebar here. This is one of those occupations that does not get a pat on the back from oil and gas. All this political rumble-bumble that's going on with the banning of hydraulic flushing and trying to 
figure out ways to uh, pick on oil and gas even more, the public shaming that's okay behind it. What people don't understand, and this is my opinion, I've, I've only seen it in reality. I've never seen it by an official government chart, okay? I've only seen it from my reality with my own eyes using my own brain. I've seen the way the energy industry impacts the economy, okay? And people like Robert De Palma, paleontologist, somebody who's going to go and look for dinosaurs, somebody who's going to go and brush off the earth in order to preserve history, okay? There's not a very big market out there for that, meaning that the average person will go to Amazon.com and buy, buy something, okay? There's a market for that. Some will go to a furniture store, buy that. They will spend their money to do that. Not everybody is giving Robert De Palma money to go find dinosaurs. The oil and gas companies do. They do it on the front end and they do it on the back end. So the oil and gas companies will fund and spend money to archaeologists, paleontologists, all kind of historical preservation folks, okay? And without oil and gas development, those revenues and those jobs get impacted greatly, okay? We're not going to get into that with Robert De Palma, paleontologist, because that's kind of a buzzkill topic, but I would like to make you aware of that before we talk to him a little bit later in the program, because what we talk about is pretty cool, and it is related to oil and gas in a number of different ways, but at the same time, it's not considered oil and gas by anybody. Paleontology is not considered oil and gas, but I'll tell you what. They fund it. They fund a lot of it. Also, William Prentice with Meridian Energy Group comments on their new environmental and social management plan, the ESMP. You know, they need that in today's day and age because they need to be certified in order to get resources, money, investments, people backing them. It needs that sort of certification now. That's the world we live in, folks. He also talks about the world we live in, which is litigation out there with the Davis Refinery. The ongoing litigation is the new normal as the eco-activists have created new challenges in project management. Troy Shrink, Target Hospitality, Robert De Palma, paleontologist, Ryan Alder, AE Partners, and William Prentice with the Meridian Energy Group on today's The Crude Life Weekend Review. All right, let's get to our first interview. Let's start with Ryan Alder with AE Partners. This is Ryan Alder with AE Partners. AE Partners, what is that all about? Because right away I'm thinking architect and engineer, but then I'm thinking, wait a minute, it could be energy, so AE Partners. Um, well, originally we were Atlantic Energy Partners, and then we recently rebranded just because we're going to go after some, some new sectors. Um, when we originally first started out, it was very oil and gas biased, um, and it very much still is. Oil and gas is our kind of bread and butter, um, but we are going to look at spreading into different sectors now so that's the reason for the for the slight rebranding um but we were always known as aep so we've kind of tried to keep that still in there with the original branding aep that's kind of always been the acronym for for you guys and so before it was atlantic energy partners but now ae partners or aep okay great and and what is it that you guys were doing there at uh aep partners um, so we do a mix of things. We're a, we're an oil and gas um, recruitment firm. You know that's where we we started out. Um, we've been trading now for just over a year, 
myself and some some colleagues left a, an old business um, where we were doing the, the same thing, but you know saw a gap in the market and decided to go go it alone. Um, so we do a lot of temporary and permanent recruitment um, for a number of oil and gas service companies, um, you know, from small service companies all the way up to very large service companies. And we also work with some of the you know biggest EPCs in the world as well. Um, so we have a, a number of contractors uh, running. Um, our specialist seems to be sort of in the flow back and well testing division. We've been doing that for, like I say, a number of years now. Got a lot of completions and production consultants out as well. And then, like I say, we also have the permanent side of the business where we'll go out and do a lot of executive searches for firms, a lot of retained searches, um, headhunting. So that's kind of the two main parts of our business. We do do some sort of talent mapping and salary benchmarking for companies as well, where companies will come to us and kind of want to get a grip on the, on the market and find out you know, what the market's paying for certain positions so we can go out and run campaigns and take our findings back to them of, you know, what the market's doing at the moment. I know you have some business up in the Bakken. What exactly are you guys doing up in uh, the Bakken region up there? Um, I've personally been supplying guys to the Bakken um, now for probably the last three years. Um, again, that's mostly flow back and well testing consultants. And that was Ryan Alder with AE Partners. To listen to the full-length interview or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. Up next, Robert De Palma, paleontologist. My name is Jason Spies. This is the Crude Life Week in Review. The Crude Life is sponsored in part by Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking. The Davis Refinery. Welcome back to the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you folks for joining us. Coming up next, we talk with Robert De Palma, paleontologist. Robert De Palma. Adjunct Professor of Geosciences, FAU, Florida. And we've got some very exciting news. I saw this uh, come out last week. I just caught the headline on one of my home pages. I clicked on it, and I read it and thought, this is one of the coolest stories I've come across in a while. has to do with uh, kind of understanding a little bit more about gr- ground zero with the asteroid that maybe extinct the dinosaurs and some things like that. So we brought on Robert De Palma with Florida Atlantic University and the University of Kansas to talk a little bit more about that. So I gave a very awful description, and I did that on purpose because I wanted you to be able to share the big news and kind of go go with that a little bit. I know I've asked about a half a dozen people, and they all said the same thing, like, oh, I saw that, but I haven't read it yet. <laughs> so anyway, that's where we're at with it. But what, to describe this uh, this big finding that you guys have discovered up there in North Dakota. So basically, this adds a a slightly new dimension to uh, an issue or a a story that has been out there for a while. I mean, we've known since the 80s that the asteroid came down, um, which we now know came down in the Yucatan Peninsula in Mexico, and ultimately uh, caused ecological devastation and ended in uh, the third largest extinction on the planet. Um, that's all good long-term stuff, but uh, the details of what happened right after impact 
were not as unknown because the geologic record doesn't preserve things on that fine of a time scale of, you know, minutes to hours. We're talking in hundreds of years to thousands of years or millions of years the geologic record. So the interesting part about this site is that we have evidence for a massive surge of water which inundated a Paleo River Valley and essentially within the period of a couple of hours at maximum uh, deposited a massive amount of dead animals, plants, and sediment which essentially records the very first two hours after impact in the geologic equivalent of high-speed film. So we're able to see what happened in those moments after impact. Uh, the other interesting part about this is that based on the data that we have, uh, the most likely trigger for that surge of water were seismic waves from the impact site itself because our data indicates that those seismic waves would have arrived at the site of deposition right around the same time as all of the incoming debris from the asteroid, which we found embedded in our deposits. So that's a very intriguing thing, yeah. that coupling between seismic shaking and this sort of thing. So we're talking about North Dakota's Hell Creek Formation as the right. place where the fossils and, and that sort of thing ended up, correct? That's correct. Now, the point of impact is up in Canada, right? Uh, the point of impact is the Yucatan Peninsula in Mexico. Oh, jeez. So that's that's about 3,000 kilometers to the south. Oh, my word. So that's that's way down south. So this is water from there, did you say? Or talk to me about how, how, no, how that impacted. I, I got lost somewhere along the line yeah. there. You know, here's the interesting part about it. The thing that travels fast in this uh, scenario is uh, the, the coupling of the seismic waves. That is what is traveling fast. The seismic waves will arrive within minutes from the impact site, but the water is essentially already there. Whatever water is already in your study region, if that body of water is of the right dimensions, then those seismic waves could excite that to uh, into a seiche formation, which is like a tsunami. It's like the bathtub water sloshing back and forth in one big wave. That's essentially what it does on a larger scale. So that would happen within minutes after impact. In, by that extension, if those seismic waves encountered a body of water of the right dimensions almost anywhere from impact, on the other side of the world, for example, if that body of water was the right dimensions, it could have experienced the same thing within minutes after impact, before all the other bad things happened. So we're looking at the very first thing that could have affected all these little dotted ecologies right after impact. It's a phenomenal thing. We've got a snapshot into that moment in time. So two questions that pop into my head right away are, one... Is there animals that came from outside that Hell Creek formation in North Dakota? Like, was the wave so big that it, you know, brought ones up from Kansas? Well, technically speaking, um, because the inundation wave did appear to probably come from a marine environment, uh, we do have a number of marine organisms uh, that washed in there with everything else. And none of those marine organisms are from the Hell Creek Formation. They're from the seaway that used to be there. So all of those are anomalous and very interesting. And so that kind of thing, did you help dispel some some myths? Or did that, that type of information, did that help satisfy any questions of, you know, what's this troglobite doing here? This shouldn't be here. Did that, that anything right. like that happen? Uh, yeah, it also provides a sample of what was in the seaway at that time because the interesting thing is because of erosion and glaciation and such, 
um, there's no geologic record of the seaway from that time period. So literally anything from the ocean that we have in this site is probably one of the best examples we've got of what existed in the seaway at the very end of the Cretaceous. Um, in addition, here's the cool part, because we basically have high-resolution film in geologic terms of this moment in prehistory and how it would have affected uh, the animals and ecologies, um, that's a better way for us to understand in greater detail how that impact affected the world's creatures and what is out there. And by extension, that helps us to understand how our current world could possibly deal with uh, a, a similar sort of disaster. So it really ties into modern day. Robert De Palma with Florida Atlantic University and the University of Kansas. We're talking about the big discovery, the fossilized remains of a mass of creatures that died minutes after a huge asteroid slammed into the Earth 66 million years ago, sealing the fate of the dinosaur, according to the, oh, I thought it was Associated Press, but it's the, it must be AFP, is that American Free Press? I'm not familiar with that, I guess. Um, Asking the wrong guy. Yeah, I mean, I'm, and I'm in the business, and I can't even keep up with the new with, with the new news sources that are out there. All I know is that TMZ seems to be leading all the time. So, um, but let's let's stick with the serious stuff here for a second. Um, one thing I was I, I think of when I when I hear tidal waves and I impact, and I think of the movie Deep Impact, or I think of the movie Perfect Storm, and all I can think of is that water and how violent it must be. I mean, if you've spent any time in Kansas, you probably know that, you know, they say in a tornado, hay can stick into trees like nails and that sort of thing. Was there any evidence of, of violence when it comes to the uh, impact of the, of the wave? I'm sure there was. Yes, yes absolutely. The, the wave was very, very violent. Uh, this surge of water essentially tumbled together and concentrated all of these carcasses, which are, uh, as a matter of fact, these are the first articulated carcasses of creatures associated with the KT boundary, the asteroid impact layer, uh, that we can demonstrate were killed as a result of it. So this is the first time you actually have a mass death layer there associated with the impact layer. Um, but when surge came in depositing all these things, as we excavate the creatures, we actually see with the fish, for example, because uh, there are many of those, we actually see some fish that have fins that penetrate right through the bodies of other fish, and some are actually ripped apart when they were wrapped around so the tree logs that are in the deposit. So it was absolutely violent. And mammals. You mentioned, I think, mammals earlier, or I thought I saw that in the article I read. Uh, what type of there mammals were evidence. scooped up? Yeah. Well, we do have evidence of mammals there. Um, the one that we're investigating right now is is still under study, and we're about to, uh, you know, do final touches on a manuscript on that. So I can't comment too much further on. But uh, the mammals that existed back then are um, are very important to the, the story of humanity in that this is essentially what our representative was back then in the time of the dinosaurs. So anything that we have today, mammalian on Earth, comes from a lineage that survived that whole event, which is absolutely fascinating. And we want to know why those certain lineages did survive that event. So this is actually an important piece to that. So if we were to say one thing that you believe that mankind as a whole is supposed to extrapolate from this study and incorporate it into our lives in whichever way we can, what, what would that be? Um, a further understanding of how 
an event like this could have a, a cataclysmic effect on the world and its ecologies, and to extend that to today, uh, to in, in an effort to be better stewards of the current ecologies, to know how vulnerable they could possibly be, and to find out ways of, uh, of doing that, of caring for them. That's really what should be one of the take-home messages. And that was Robert De Palma, paleontologist. To listen to the full-length interview or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. While you're there, be sure to check out other exclusive interviews and our social media. All that is available at thecrudelife.com. Coming up next, Troy Shrink, Chief Commercial Officer with Target Hospitality. My name is Jason Spies. This is the Crude Life Week in Review. The Crude Life is sponsored in part by... Make energy great again. Yes, that is the hat for the energy industry, folks. Wear it proudly. Show your support for the nation's energy industry with this attention-grabbing fashion declaration. Make energy great again. Pick up the only hat for the energy industry. Make energy great again. Visit keepenergygreat.com. That's keepenergygreat.com. Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking, the Davis Refinery. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts. And then you let people make up their own minds. You want someone who's competent. You don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Speece on the radio. And if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Speece, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Speece. Welcome back to the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for joining us. Coming up next, we talk with Troy Shrink with Target Hospitality. Very dangerous route. But there's other, there's other obviously, benefits to the community, one of which is, you know, we're, 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 we are relieving pressure uh, on, the, on the supply side for housing. Um, one of the, the major problems that, that West Texas is having right now is uh, affordable housing for first responders. Uh, for public servants that work in fire and police and ambulance and medical services and teachers and educators. And uh, rather than having oil field energy employees absor- absorb all of that housing stock, uh, that employee is, is staying with us, right? So the energy employee stays with us. It frees up supply in the community for those first responders, public servants, and it's been a, a much welcome supply uh, for the for those communities that, that we operate in today. Well, like I said, I saw it firsthand where it, it really became a, a great tool for civic leaders to really balance that uh, issue of overbuilding because in in, in an industry that's historically had boom bust cycles, well, you know that, that that's a that's a real thing, and this is one of those 
services that I, I was just amazed, absolutely amazed to see firsthand with my own eyes. Um, transitioning a little bit, uh, Kermit, Texas, you guys still down there? And what other places have you got some beds now? Sure. So as I mentioned, we have uh, 20 unique locations across the Permian. And, and Jason, I think you know this, but for, for your listeners, you know, the Permian is the size of uh, the United Kingdom, I think, plus or minus about 87,000 square miles. Massive geographical area. And and uh, it's important from our business perspective to support our customers to make sure that we've strategically built uh, in locations that can, that can certainly support our customers. And again, uh, get the job done, right? Faster, cheaper, faster, cheaper, safer to work locations, and that's exactly what we've done. Kermit definitely is one of those locations. I think we have plus or minus about 500 rooms in the Kermit market, um, and, and it's an area that uh, that uh, we're able to, to support our customers from. Um, again, we have you know 19 other locations across the Permian outside of even Kermit, uh, from the Midland Basin, uh, where we hold probably three to 4,000 rooms, uh, between Midland, Odessa, uh, all the way through the Delaware Basin with the balance of our rooms. So, you know, Jason, today, as you know, we've seen rapid growth uh, over the last several years. I think we're pushing 9,000 rooms in the Permian Basin today. Uh, and, look, we, look we, 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 we continue to assess areas of what we call white space uh, where we can better support and help our customers. Um, you know, but with 20 locations, we've pretty much got it covered at this point. Any final thoughts as we wrap up? I know you got a uh, another meeting coming up. Appreciate the time today. So, any final thoughts? Uh, what to look forward to with uh, what you guys have coming down the pipe, or anything that we missed that you want to make sure we get or reiterate, etc. Maybe a chili recipe. I don't know. <laughs> no, that's good. Hey, look, you know, look as we think about the business, you know, look, we're we're. We're, we're fortunate and, and privileged to, to be doing business in, in two great basins in the United States. We're, we're privileged to be part of something, I think, on, on a bigger picture, to be a part of U.S. energy independence. We're an integral part of that. We're going to continue to be an integral part of that. And, uh, and at the end of the day, make sure that we have, uh, we have uh, delivered on our promise for our customers, uh, energy employers, and their employees. Uh, and I think we can do that. But just a couple of really kind of fun announcements. You know, one of the things that, you know, I, I think oftentimes we get carried away talking about how many facilities and communities we have and how many rooms. And, look, what I think what I'm most proud of is we have almost 700 great employees in the Permian Basement today that deliver on our promise, deliver the great service quality to our guests every single day. They live with our customers 24-7, and that is, that is just not for super proud of. They get the, the ability to deliver some great food, not good food. You're working 12 or 14-hour days in 104-degree heat, and you're covered in PP&E and FR. Uh, what you're looking forward to is not good food. You're looking forward to great food. So, you know, the opportunity for our great people to, to make fresh, you know, grilled steaks every night, grilled chicken, grilled fish, pastas. We've opened up this new concept. I don't know if I've shared it with you, Jason. It's a it's a uh, uh, sports bar and grill without the alcohol, of course. It's called the Frack Shack. We've started to open these up over the last several years. We're opening up our uh, our seventh one here coming up here in in, in 2020, and they're all on location. Uh, you know, the 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 customer gets to you know go have food 24/7. If they want to go over to the Frack Shack, they can have a handmade uh, burger. 
uh, custom-made burger with hand-cut French fries. We've got wood-fired pizza oven. Um, it's like a sports a sports bar that that, that that anyone would be proud to go into with absolutely great food. And I think it's it's that it's that care and concern and 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 uh, emphasis on the on our guests that that frankly uh, have uh, you know every energy company just clamoring to do you know to help us to have them help us or have us help them rather. And so, you know, those, those are the fun things, right? It, it's all about the food. It's all about our guests. And, and uh, Jason, you have a stand invitation to come down to the Permian and try one of those uh, homemade burgers anytime. Well, I might take you up on it, too. And, in, you know, one last thought I do want to mention is that when I was up visiting some of the facilities up in the Bakken before back, oh, five years ago now, and kind of talking to some of those guys, you know, afterwards and, you know, three, four years later, the one thing that they talked about that it was that brotherhood, that sense of brotherhood, which nowadays, I don't know what the PC term is, I guess, manhood, humanhood, whatever the term is, but it's when you can really get together a good work-life balance. And that's what's really impressed me about what you guys have done is figured out a way that you can actually leave your stress at work at the end of the day. And like you said, go into a sports bar without alcohol and actually kick back and have fun and release some of that stress. Because sometimes when you go home and you got laundry waiting for you and you know you got the lawn waiting for you and you got a couple kids you got to bring and you got this and that, there's, there's that extra stress that the home life that you don't get the right balance. And that's what I kind of, I, I don't know, I've, I've had a few conversations about that with some people that stayed in your facilities up in the Bakken, and I wanted to pass that along that it's really interesting to see the way that you guys have strived for a true, you know, work-life, you know, re- release at the end of the day, balance type of a thing. Is that intentional, or did you guys just stumble into that? That's 100% intentional. Um and, you know, here's why it's 100% intentional. You know, you can call it whatever you want, brotherhood, fraternal, fraternity. Uh, by nature, in energy, as you know, it's, it's, it's the backbone of, 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 of the energy and, the, and what's called the oil patch, right? Um, there's, a, there's an understanding. I like to call it empathy. You can call it whatever you want, but I like to call it empathy. And the way we have structured this, meaning all of our employees – are also rotational workers or rotational employees. They're coming from outside of the area, much like many of these uh, energy employees and workers. And so our folks are working rotations, very similar to a frack hand. They're there for two or three, four weeks at a time, and then they get to travel back to their home state. And so there's a, there's a, there's a degree of empathy immediately that's developed between our employee and the guest. There's an understanding of what they're going through, working long days, 12, 14, 16-hour days for two, three, four, five weeks at a time, right, working that rotation schedule. And so that develops the, the quote-unquote, as you say, the brotherhood. In our, in, in, in our business, we say empathy, guest empathy, customer empathy, and, and, and to understand that, look, they're going through isolationism, being away from their family and friends, they're going through periods of, of morale, lower morale, because they miss them uh, or they can't connect with them, they can't see them. And so that friendship and that empathy is developed over time, and I think that's what makes the customer so sticky. That's what makes, you know, this culture of brotherhood and fraternal, uh, you know, friendships 
uh, last. And, and, and I think, you know, by, by deliberation, literally, deliberately, we've, we've set up the hospitality program that way. Troy Shrink, Target Hospitality, thank you much. Jason, thanks again. And that was Troy Shrink with Target Hospitality. To listen to the full-length interview or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. Coming up next, we talk with William Prentice, the CEO of Meridian Energy Group, about the Davis Refinery, the Walton Refinery, happening in the Bakken, also in the Permian. Also, they need to get the ESMP certification, all kinds of stuff to catch up with William Prentice, the CEO of Meridian Energy Group, up next. My name is Jason Spies. This when is the Food Life Week in Review. Chilling, the inside is warm. You've been wishing you'd never been born. All I can say is that you try to behave and try not to get your mind blown. Mind blown, your mind blown. I'll show you something that's never been shown. The Crude Life is sponsored in part by... Make energy great again. Yes, that is the hat for the energy industry, folks. Wear it proudly. Show your support for the nation's energy industry with this attention-grabbing fashion declaration. Make energy great again. Pick up the only hat for the energy industry. Make energy great again. Visit keepenergygreat.com. That's keepenergygreat.com. Historic. The first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative. The cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking. The Davis Refinery. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts. And then you will let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Speece on the radio. And if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Speece, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Speece. Hi, this is Bill Prentice at Meridian Energy Group. Appreciate you joining the program here today. Before we get into the environmental and social management plan, could you give us an update on where things are with the development of the refineries, both in North Dakota, outside of Belfield, and then the one down in West Texas as well? Uh, Sure, no problem. Um, Davis Refinery up in Belfield, uh, we're sort of tying up loose ends uh, as they get started on the the project financing raise. Uh, it's going to be a, a $1.1 billion financing for Davis, and we're just kind of getting started on that, uh, trying to get it closed and done before, uh, before the beginning of summer so that we can get out in the field and get a lot done in the, uh, in the project site. Um, but, you know, most of the modules will not be arriving and, and foundations won't be completed till a year from this coming Sunday. So that's when most of the field activity will, will happen is after this next coming winter. Um, on Walton Station down in the Permian, uh, doing uh, site surveys, soil and geology work, uh, 
a lot of pre-permitting type design, uh, collecting the uh, crude assays for the uh, for the local crude supplies that we're going to be uh, counting on for our our crude oil, and then uh, you know go ahead and get the permitting started on that and try to have that plant in operation about a year after the Davis uh, facility gets started. So, uh, you know, looking at uh, maybe early 2023 for Davis, uh, later that year for Walton Station. But, uh, you know, part of that is weather down in uh, in Texas might cooperate with us a little bit better and uh, we'll be able to hold to a tighter schedule down there. I got the press release the other day about Meridian's environmental social management plan. And when when did you guys decide to adapt that framework, if you will, to the equator principles, the risk management when it comes to uh, being out in the marketplace like that, this uh, environmental and social management plan? Why is that so significant to how you guys are going forward? Because you and I have been talking about this for three, four, five years, but to label it and to actually put it in a presentation like we're starting to see uh i mean you're on the cutting again you're you're on the forefront of this on the cutting edge again you know like i said we've been talking about this for three four years but why is it significant to kind of put it together in 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 a framework of of risk management and equator principles well you know i i mentioned we're we're just kind of getting started on the the real hard work of the davis project financing and as as we get uh, further into it, it's it's clear that all the stuff that we've done, you know, the substance of how we approach this business, uh, you know, as you mentioned, we've been talking about it for five years or so. But over the last five years, there's been an entirely new, let's just say, lexicon of, of buzzwords and other ways of thinking about and talking about environmental and social concerns and risk management. And it became clear to us that, uh, you know, as as pure as our heart is with regard to these things and always has been, uh, we need to be able to uh, uh, put this in within a structure and, and apply the kind of verbiage and documentation that allows everybody else to instantly recognize what we've been doing and why. And we're really kind of grateful for the way the industry has developed on this area because suddenly uh, we're going to get full credit out in the capital markets for everything that we've been doing for the past five years. Um, but, you know, part of this is uh, that many of the institutional investors that we're going to be dealing with have uh, have signed on to the so-called equator principles, uh, which you can look up online. And that's one of the organizing groups that have helped uh, kind of coalesce this whole way of thinking about new big energy projects. So it gives us a basis for organizing all of our documentation and proving that, uh, you know, this is in fact going to be a great project for the industry and the environment and our country. And that was William Prentice, the CEO of Meridian Energy Group. And that's going to do it for today's program, the Crude Life Week in Review. I'd like to thank William Prentice, the CEO of Meridian Energy Group, for coming on today's program Troy Shrink, the Chief Commercial Officer with Target Hospitality, Robert De Palma, Paleontologist, and Ryan Alder with AE Partners. Also, the music you've heard on today's program and are hearing on today's program is from the Moody River Band. 
Download links are available at thecrudelife.com. Click on the album cover from the Moody River Band. That's going to do it for today's program. I'd like to thank you folks for tuning in and choosing this radio station or this podcast for your listening pleasure or your audio entertainment. There are many places to get your content in today's world. We've got Steve Harvey giving it to us at gas stations. Ron Burgundy, a fictional character, has got a podcast. Not to mention you've got Mario Lopez, Mike Tyson, my neighbor's cat, my first car. Everybody seems to have a podcast and a great idea on what the next big one's going to be. So I thank you folks for choosing us today in the realm of reality. It's so easy to live in the planet of platitudes, but to live in the realm of reality takes some real courage, some guts, and a little bit of a strong mind. So appreciate it, folks. That's going to do it for today's program here at The Crude Life Week in Review. We have a podcast Monday through Thursday with a Week in Review every Friday. Check it out at thecrudelife.com. Also, if you'd like to join our ever-growing energy enthusiast army, we've got close to 300,000 social media followers between our Facebook, YouTube, Twitters, LinkedIn's. They just keep getting more and more pages and more and more people. And uh, it's overwhelming, the social media side of things, because you have absolutely no idea how anyone is getting their content, how anybody's getting their information. Like I said, you got Steve Harvey from Family Feud now giving us news at the gas pump. Absolutely no idea how anybody is getting their news, their information. So thank you once again. From the staff here at the Crude Life Week in Review, my name is Jason Spies asking you to always remember energy is more than an industry, it's a way of life. The Crude Life is sponsored in part by Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking. The Davis Refinery. Make energy great again. Yes, that is the hat for the energy industry, folks. Wear it proudly. Show your support for the nation's energy industry with this attention-grabbing fashion declaration. Make energy great again. Pick up the only hat for the energy industry. Make energy great again. Visit keepenergygreat.com. That's keepenergygreat.com. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Jenna Green, the Earth's champion, deep in the heart of the forest for the past 30 days. Picking up litter, making Johnny Green's mind fitter. Everywhere Johnny Green goes, adults and kids everywhere alike, ask the Earth's champion what it takes to wear the 15 pounds of eco-authority. Well, ladies and gentlemen and children of the corn, to be the champ, you gotta recycle. To be the champ, you gotta reuse. To be the champ, you gotta innovate your inspiration and personify your perspiration. The greatest environmentalist on earth.
has got to be the champ in the forest, has got to be the champ in the office. Johnny Green's got to be a champ in the gym, and Johnny Green, most importantly, has got to be a champ in the school. Johnny Green has got to be a champ in the school. Eco Frogger on my kid, Eco. Johnny Green is asking each and every one of you to come join the Eco Lucian and stop posting pollution. Johnny Green.